Well, good morning again. I am excited about today. I'm really looking forward to it. And, and what I need right now, because the Cornerstone kids are staying here, so I was telling somebody earlier that, uh, you know, because the kids are here, we're a little more interactive. So I need five kids that are going to willing to come up here and help me out. Go ahead. Let me see your hand. I'll point at you. You guys always do it. Let's go over here. How about those two right there, too? Stay, stay right there for a second. Don't come up yet. Stay right there. Just remember who I picked. Uh, right over there. And Gary Walker. That's four. Gary raised his hand. And we'll go right over here. Five. Okay, now you five, including Gary, okay? Now listen, here's what I want you to do. I want you to come up here in a moment, but as you come, you need to pick an adult to come up with you, okay? Could be your dad, could be Mr. Hyder right here. He's right here in case anybody wants to pick Mr. Hyder or Mr. Colburn. He's right here. I want to come in. Uh, go ahead, pick an adult, and then come on up here. Bring him. So I should have 10 up here. And uh, the biggest kid of all, of all is Gary Walker. So come on up, Gary. <laughs> Oh, yes, Mr. Come on up. Come on up. All right up here. Hurry up. We got to do something here. We got to, we, we are going to learn some motions. And in order to get us going, oh, Mr. Wyland. Yes. Principal Wyland. Yeah. Good pick. Good. Come on up here so everybody can see you. Come on up here. Right up here. Okay. We're going to warm up with something that you already know. Okay. Who'd you bring? Yeah. Bring somebody. Bring an adult right now. Pick somebody. Quick, quick. Who? Who? Gary Reed, Mr. Reed. Yes, okay. All right. So everybody's got somebody. Okay, now here's what we're going to do. Where's the girls? <laughs> okay, sorry about that. I think uh, if you have sleeves, we might want to roll up our sleeves here a little bit. Plus, it's, it's warm here. Okay, here's what we're going to do. Now, we're going to warm up on something. And then I'm going to teach you something new, okay? How many of you know the song Deep and Wide? You know it? You got it? Uh, okay. Deep and Wide. Okay, the emotions are this. It's a simple song that I learned when I was a little guy, which was like only 10 years ago. Do you believe that? No way. Okay. He looks. Anyway, so it goes like this. It's Deep and Wide. Deep and wide, there's a fountain flowing deep and wide, right? Here we go. Deep and wide, deep and wide, there's a fountain flowing deep and wide. Good job. Okay, now, you think they can do faster than that? Okay, we're going to start slow, and then we're going to go faster. We're just warming up, because I want to teach you something new. You ready? Oh, yeah, Luke's ready. Okay, here we go. Ready? Here we go. We're going to go slow, and then we'll go faster. Here we go. Deep and wide, deep and wide, there's a fountain flowing deep and wide. Deep and wide, deep and wide, there's a fountain flowing deep and wide. Here, we're going to go faster. Deep and wide, deep and wide, there's a fountain flowing deep and wide. Deep and wide, deep and wide, there's a fountain flowing deep and wide. Can we go faster? Yeah. yeah. 
Oh my goodness, I don't know if I can do it. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> Ready? Get your sleeves up. Here we go. Deep and wide, deep and wide, fountain flowing deep and wide, deep and wide, deep and wide, there's a fountain flowing deep and wide. Did you do it? Yeah. Woo! Okay, stay here. Because today, in the sermon today, it's not a song, but I want to teach you some motions to the main points of the sermon today, okay? Today we're talking about drawing near to God, being in His presence. And we want to talk about four things, four blessings that are ours when we draw near to God. So it's kind of like deep and wide, only we have a few more things. There's height. So height. So when we draw into the presence of God, we probe the height of God's glory. That's the motion, the height of God's glory. And then when we draw near to God, we not only probe the height of God's glory, but we also grasp the weight of our sin. You, sin is heavy. So you got to look like you're trying, struggling. It's a heavy weight of our sin, okay? So we have the height of God's glory, the weight of our sin. But in light of that, here's the good news. The depth, like going all the way down, the depth of his forgiveness, right? Depth of his forgiveness. And then the final one is the width of the world's need, okay? So, let's try it again. Here we go. So, when we enter into the presence of God, we probe the height of His glory, right? We grasp the weight of our sin, and we revel in the depth of His forgiveness, and we realize the width of the world's need. Let's try it again. Here we go. When we enter into the presence of God, we're going to go a little faster, right? We probe the height of his glory, the weight of our sin, the depth of his forgiveness, and the width of the world's need, right? You got, it is CrossFit. Good job. You guys can sit down. Now listen, as they're sitting down, every, every time we look at those points, we're going to do the motions together. Did you catch it? The height, let's see it, the height of his glory, the weight of our sin, the depth of his forgiveness, and the width of the world's needs. Right? Did you guys bonk each other? That'll be fun, won't it? That'll be fun. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to stand up. But, but as we're going, that's, those are what we're looking at today. Because today, we want to talk about being in the presence of God. We have, uh, you heard me open this morning, and, and we used to, we haven't done it for a while, and it seems like this is the year to bring it back. We used to do a key verse for the year. And I would introduce it every first Sunday of the new year. i got to get my breath. Whew. And so today I want to introduce to you a key verse for 2019. Uh, something that I hope not just us uh, to learn intellectually and memorize, but something that becomes really a part of our very life. And it's out of Psalm chapter 16, verse 11. We read it earlier. It's on the screen. The author, the, author, the writer of the psalm says... You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Here's what's really cool. You kids, you probably got a bookmark today as you came in. I was handed it by uh, Miss Lorraine, Mrs. Lorraine. She, she handed this to me. And it's really cool. It's a bookmark and it has that statement. You will fill me with joy in your presence out of Psalm 1611. Did you get it? You get one? Okay, we'll make sure you get one. Some have back there. 
here. Let me give this to you right now, sir. There you go. It's really super cool. It's a good bookmark. But it's all based on our, on our key verse, okay? You make known to me the paths of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And I was thinking about it this last week. I got a lot of comments last week because there were people who really liked talking about his second coming. Last week we talked about the second coming of the Lord. And we said just as he came and we celebrated Christmas, his first coming, we also are looking forward to that day when he comes again. And I had a lot of people that were excited about that. And it's an exciting study. But it made me think, okay, he was present here at his first coming. And he died. And he, and he rose again. And he ascended then to the right hand of the Father. And we know someday he's coming back. But what about now? How do we live in the presence of God or in the presence of Jesus now? What's that look like? And I'll tell you something. It's as easy as just being aware of it. I will tell you this. Because the promise is there, right? We know what the Scripture says, right? Uh, uh, We know that God is omnipresent. That all of God is in every place all the time, right? And so David says in Psalm 139, where can I go from your presence? And the answer is nowhere. You can go to the very highest height and the very lowest low, and he is still there because God is omnipresent. So we know he's in this place. But Paul, in in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, he says, as a follower of Jesus, somebody who puts their belief in Jesus, now Christ is not just around me, but he's living in me. Isn't that cool? He lives in me. So as a follower of Jesus, somebody who has put their trust and faith in Jesus, he resides right here in our hearts. So so here's the deal. When we talk about being in his presence, we recognize he is already present. So what do we mean? Well, I'm telling you this. It simply means what James says in chapter 4, verse 8. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. See, there's this awareness. And i got to be honest, I prayed this morning with a guy, and and I had to confess in my prayer, Lord, too many times throughout the day, I lose sight of your presence. I I become numb to it. I, I I don't realize it all the time. And so when we're talking about being in the presence of God today, what we're talking about is being aware of it, realizing that He is here, that, that He is everywhere I go, that there's no place that I can go where He's not there, that, that the Scripture says, Jesus tells His followers, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. And the author of Hebrews says, listen, God has said, the Lord has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we understand he is here, but when we talk about being in his presence, we're talking about drawing close, recognizing his presence, honoring his presence, respecting that he is with us. And what we want to talk about this morning is this truth. Many are the blessings of drawing near to God. Many are the blessings of drawing near to God. And what we want to do is look at Isaiah chapter 6. So if you haven't turned there, would you turn to Isaiah 6? It's a passage that probably uh, many of you have studied, many of you have heard of. 
You've read, maybe you've even taught it, maybe you've preached it, Isaiah 6, verses 1 through 8. I want to look at it today, and I just want to ask this simple question. What are the blessings of drawing near to God? What are the blessings of of being in His presence, recognizing it, and, and just settling down right there and enjoying the presence of God? And here we have a a literal, uh, this is a physical presence that Isaiah sees. And we understand ours is more spiritual and uh, we just recognize he's here. But but this is a physical thing. Isaiah saw it. So read with me. Follow along as I read Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. And then we're going to talk about the blessings that are there in the presence of God. Verse 1, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory." And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Verse 8, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am. Send me. Father, thank you for your presence. Lord, thank you for being here. And, And Lord, if we really stop and think about it, it is a fearful And yet an extremely wonderful thing to recognize you are here. And so, Lord, we just ask that you would continue to give us an understanding of your presence here. That as we look at the benefits, the the blessings, the joys of being in your presence, I, I pray, Father, that you would guide our time. That you would work in our hearts. That you would be honored and glorified. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So what are, the, what are the benefits, what are the joys of, of being in the presence of God? Well, I want to look at it this way. I want to say in His presence are four things. And remember, the glory, the height of His glory, the weight of our sin, the depth of His forgiveness, and the width of the world's need. So let's start with the first one. In His presence, we probe the height of his glory. Notice verse 1. Verse 1 is an incredible verse. It's a, it's a verse that if you stop and meditate on it and put yourself in Isaiah's shoes, I don't know how you would respond, but I would be so terrified and amazed all at the same time. The time frame is after King Uzziah died. It was in that year in which he died. It was a horrible year. It was a fearful year. It was an uncertain year. King Uzziah, check this out, Cornerstone kids. King Uzziah was 16 when he became king. 16. How many of you are 16? Oh, none? Oh, there's one. All right, one 16-year-old back there. So imagine she all of a sudden becomes ruler of America. You could do it, right? 
Yeah, she said she probably better than, never mind, I'll keep my mouth shut. 16. He was 16 when he became king. He ruled for 52 years, and for the most part, he was an incredible king. He was very successful. He brought a lot of stability and good stuff to Israel. And and about five years before he died, this king named Tiglath-Pileser, isn't that a fun name, Tiglath-Pileser? I'll bet you what, Cornerstone kids, if you learned that name, you would impress your teachers tomorrow at school. I'm sure Mr. Wyland would give you an A for the day if you told him Tiglath-Pileser. He was this king, but he wasn't just a normal king. He was a mighty warrior, fierce king of Assyria. And he was taking over all these countries, and he had his sights on Israel. He was ready to come to Israel and take them over as well. But as long as King Uzziah was king on the throne, King Uzziah kept them safe. So imagine what it means when the scripture says, in the year King Uzziah died, people are going, "Uh uh-oh, uh-oh, what's going to happen now? Is Tiglath going to come in and and, and overtake us? There was uncertainty, there was fear, there was was this what-if kind of thing going on. But it's in the midst of this, it's when a king dies that Isaiah sees the king. And notice how he's described. I saw the Lord, notice, sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Now, what I want you to see is the height of his glory, right? It's the height of his glory. Notice the height, first of all, of his position. He's lofty. He's exalted. He is high above everything else in that temple. He is sitting exalted, high up. You see it? Not only that, but the position that he has of king, he's sitting on a throne with his robe, the train of his robe, which was a kingly attire, filling that temple. This says that this Lord who Isaiah saw is none other than the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He is lofty and exalted. Notice the height of his glory, right? The height of his glory in his position. But notice, there's also a height in his person. Because now we have this weird thing going on. The seraphim. Okay, If you get Tiglath-Pileser and you're able to say seraphim after it, I'll bet Mr. Weiland will give an A for Tuesday as well. Right? For the whole week. There you go, kids. Okay? But if you... Tiglath, now, now we have this seraphim which by its word in the Hebrew, it means a fiery beast. And in fact, elsewhere in the scripture, that same word is described as kind of like a a serpent, a, a snake. Now, I don't know about you, but I hate snakes. I'd much rather have a spider crawl all over me than see a snake from 50 feet away. I do not like snakes. I don't care if it's a rattlesnake or a harmless snake. I do not like snakes. Now, these, these, these have been described as snake-like, serpentine characters elsewhere in the Scripture. And, and they were fiery. And, and so above the Lord is these, are these seraphim. We don't know exactly how many, but we know that they have six wings with two. Uh, each covers their face. Why? You remember? Because nobody can look upon the presence of God and live. No created being can see God. So they cover their face. With two, they cover their feet. Why? I'll tell you. Because the presence of the Lord is in that place. And remember what 
God told Moses in the burning bush? Take off your sandals because the place you're standing is holy ground. This is holy ground. They're covering their feet. And with two, they fly. They hover. And notice what they proclaim. Holy, holy, holy. Now, several months ago when we were talking about, we were looking in Revelation chapter 4, we remember, right, what that means. We, we usually look at it as it means pure from sin, and, and that's, that's certainly part of it. But the, the idea of holiness is separate. It is to be above and beyond the rest of creation. These people, the, these seraphim rather, they're proclaiming not only is he lofty and exalted sitting on a throne, but in all of creation he is above and beyond. He is above and beyond all creation. He is, he is higher and he is, he is more, more uh, uh, wonderful. More, he, he's above and beyond. I don't know how else to explain it. So his person, he is holy, holy, holy is the Lord God. The whole earth is full of what? His glory. We're talking about the height of his glory here. See, when Isaiah comes into the presence of the Lord, he sees, he, he, he probes the height of his glory. And notice one final thing. Smoke. The foundations of the threshold shook at the voice and smoke filled the temple. It's interesting. i got to tell you, when I was looking at this, I was like, what? What in the world is going on here? But if you remember in Exodus, remember Moses goes to Mount Sinai to talk with God? Do you remember the description that goes on there? Because God comes down. You can look it up in Exodus chapter... Uh, what is it? Where am I? I'm, I messed up here. Exodus 19. You can look it up. But, but the smoke is all around Mount Sinai, which represents the presence of God. If you look in Revelation chapter 15, we are told that before the seven bowls of God's wrath are poured out on the earth... The smoke fills the sanctuary with the presence of God. So what are we talking? The smoke is filling the temple here in Isaiah, which is saying His presence is becoming heavy. It's filling that place. He's seeing the height of His glory. See, in the presence, we, we probe. We don't understand it. We just probe it. We just, we just get, to, get to learn more and more about it when we're in His presence. We, we, we probe the height of His glory. But notice the second thing that we talked about. Not only that, but in His presence, we grasp the weight of our sin. I find it very interesting, and I wonder about today, if somebody were in the same position as Isaiah. Here's what I think they'd do. First of all, they'd become very intellectual. Well, you see what's going on here. And they would describe and define and, and uh, let's see in chapter so-and-so and whatever verse and, and there's what it says. And so this is what's happening and we can explain it away this way. And we become very intellectual and we get our head full of stuff, right? Or maybe somebody in that position would get so puffed up, right? They'd write a book. I want to tell you my experience of the presence of the Lord. You need to learn from me because look at me. Not too many people get to see the presence of the Lord. I'm one of very few people who saw the presence of the Lord. I must be something pretty amazing. 
I'm saying that very sarcastically. I hope you find that true. But, but, but then they'd write a book. They'd sell millions of copies. And, and then they'd go and they'd hold these services around. And you have to pay money to get in so that you could hear their experience. And it's a bunch of hogwash, if you ask me. But that's what we would do today. We would get so puffed up, so full of ourselves. Can you imagine that? But what does Isaiah do? There in the presence of the Lord, verse 5, And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. That's the ESV. Other translations, I'm undone. I am, am, if I could put it in my paraphrase, I'm dead meat here. I'm toast. I'm history. Woe is me. How in the world could I ever be in His presence like this? I am certainly going to be, and the idea is, annihilated. I'm going to be blown up. And why? Because I'm a man of unclean lips. See, he's not full of pride. He's not saying, boy, I must be something special. Instead, he is falling down, recognizing he is a sinner. My lips are unclean. Very interesting lips. He mentions lips being unclean. He is a prophet or is going to be called to be a prophet which means he speaks to man on behalf of God. And he recognizes, these lips, I have a dirty mouth. And not only me, but I live amongst the people who have dirty mouths. Woe is me. I'm dead meat here. He understands. He grasps the weight of his sin. Now, some of you might be going, Pastor, that doesn't sound like a blessing of being in the presence of God. But it is. I'm so burdened lately for some reason that our culture, even in the church culture, we have played fast and loose with sin. We haven't been convicted of sin like we should be. We like to justify. We like to play around with it. We like to change the word from sin to, you know, it's just my problem. I have this little issue over here and I just can't quite take care of it. But it's just a little issue. It's, it's no biggie and we don't call it sin anymore. It is a blessing. Trust me, it's a blessing when we grasp the weight of our sin. And I'll tell you why. Because of what happens next. If you do not grasp the weight of sin, you will not revel in the depth of His forgiveness. I'm telling you, you can say, oh, I've been forgiven, that's wonderful, that's great. But if you don't recognize how weighty your sin is, how much it separates you from this God who is holy, 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 the whole earth is full of His glory, if you don't realize the weight of your sin, you will never be able to fully revel in the depth of His forgiveness. So when we are in his presence, we've said we, we probe the height of his glory. Now we've just said we grasp the weight of our sin. And when we grasp the weight of our sin, then we can revel in the depth of his forgiveness. The depth of his forgiveness. How many of you here, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you here have heard somebody that you know you hurt say to you, I forgive you? My wife has done that to me. I forgive you. And I don't want to bawl. 
I don't deserve forgiveness. I deserve to have it held against me for the rest of my life. But when you hear those words, I forgive you, it's so amazing, so wonderful. So look what happens. Isaiah is in the presence. He sees, he probes the height of God's glory. He he grasps the weight of his sin. And now he's going to revel in the depth of forgiveness. Because verse 6 says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Listen, your guilt is taken away. Your sin is paid for. Your sin is paid for. Your sin is paid for. Here he is. He sees the height of his glory. He he grasps the weight of his sin. Woe is me. I'm undone. I'm dead meat. I can't be here. I shouldn't be here. I'm ready to be annihilated. But then one of the seraphim takes that coal with tongs, touches his lips and says, listen, your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. It's paid for. You no longer have to bear the responsibility and the weight of that sin. It's the depth of the depth of his forgiveness. There's something about being in the presence of the Lord after recognizing the weight of our sin and then reveling in the fact that he died on the cross and rose again so that my guilt and shame can be taken away for, uh, from me as Paul says in Ephesians my guilt and my shame when I put my faith and trust in Christ, the depth of His forgiveness toward me is limitless. It goes below my weightiest sin, my heaviest sin. It goes below that, and He forgives. I'm getting so excited, my mic is falling off. So, so He finds this forgiveness. See, there's, the, the, many are the blessings of drawing near to God. The weight of his glory, I mean, excuse me, the height of his glory, the weight of our sin is grasped, the depth of his forgiveness we revel in. And then finally we have this this verse, verse 8. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? What's interesting is Isaiah doesn't go, Okay, wait, tell me a little bit about this thing. Do I need to get shots? Before I go there, right? Because that's today. If you go over, you know, anywhere, you got to get shots. Do I need to have my paperwork together? What's going on? How much is this going to cost me? Um, How long will I be gone from my family? Isaiah doesn't ask any of those questions, and I'm telling you why. Because once you have probed the height of his glory, and you have grasped the weight of your sin, and along with that, you have reveled in the depth of His forgiveness for you, you're willing to do whatever He wants you to do. No questions asked. Because you realize what I have just experienced is the need that everyone else in this world has. See, you now realize the width of the world's needs. By being in the presence of God, not only do you see His glory, not only do you you feel the weight of sin and, and revel in His forgiveness, but you're willing to say, here am I, send me. 
I don't know where, I don't know how, I don't know when, I don't know how much it's going to cost, I don't know if I need shots or anything, but I am here, I am yours, I am willing to do for you whatever you want me to do, because I know that whatever you want me to do is for the benefit of people who you love. And just like me, who needs the depth of your forgiveness, there are people out on the streets in Madras who need the depth of forgiveness. They need to hear, I forgive you. And not from you and me, but from him ultimately. There are people around the world that have great need, and it's not so much physical need, although I think that's important. We need to address physical needs of people. But if we don't take care of their spiritual need, they still end up for eternity in hell, I mean. And so we want to address this as well. Listen, what I'm telling you is that in His presence, there are blessings. In His presence. Okay, let's do this. Okay, kids, you ready? Can you wake up for a minute? Can you, can you look up here? Let's stand up together because we want to bring this home and we want to do the emotions. Adults, let's all stand up because we want to do the emotions here. What we are saying today is this, that in His presence, we, ready? Probe the height of His glory, right? We grasp the weight of our sin. We revel in the depth of His forgiveness. And we realize the width of the world's needs. Got it? Got it? So here's the deal. We want to be in His presence. You can sit down. We want to be in His presence. And I would encourage you in a couple areas, and then we're going to come together in His presence at the communion table. And I want to encourage you in these few things. First of all, this, you're going to hear more about this throughout this year. It's not, it doesn't mean that we're just going to emphasize it this year and not ever think of it again. We want to continue emphasizing it. But this year, we want to specifically think about being in the presence of God. So I encourage you on your own. When you are at home, take time to get in His presence. Now, I know I grew up in church, and I know it's easy to read the Bible simply to check it off, Right? Or to, or to read a story so that I get intellectual understanding, I would encourage you as you open up the Scriptures throughout this week, and I encourage you to do it as much as you possibly can throughout this week, open up the Word of God on your own and go to it not so much to read a story, a good story, but open it up so that you have opportunity to commune with the one who is right there with you, the Lord. You know what I mean? Is that making sense? So if you read something, just talk to the Lord about it right there. He's present. He's right there. He's with you. Just talk to Him about it. Either praise Him for something you read, ask Him a question, whatever it might be. I'd encourage you to spend time in prayer, not simply going, listen, 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 some of you are not going to like this, but you've got to hear this. Not just going through the list. We have our I want list, Right? God, I want you to do this. I want you to do that. I want you to fix Aunt Sarah's uh, broken toe. I want you to take care of my sink. I want a new dishwasher. I want this, and I want that, and I want this. And, and that becomes our prayer list. Listen, that's not bad. But even more than that, I encourage you just to enter into a time of prayer to be with the Lord. Not to pray through your list but to just seek the Lord, just to, to, to ask Him, to, to, to praise Him? What if this afternoon you spent five minutes, just five minutes, 
just praising the Lord, giving Him worship, and praising Him not even for what He's done, but simply for who He is. Could you do it for five minutes? I encourage you to work on it. Work on it. See, that's entering into His presence. So, so do that. But also, one final thing, and then we got to get to communion. I would encourage you that when you come to church on Sundays, when you come rather not to church, but to be the church together on Sundays, let me encourage you in this. Come with this mindset. I'm going in today to meet with my brothers and sisters with the Lord. Together, we're going to enter into His presence. See, what we typically do on Sunday is we come in expecting good music, and we want good music. And if it's not good, if it's not the style we like, if it's not the way we like it done, if it's not songs done you know, excellently, then we don't like it. And if the preacher goes too long, and, 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 or he says something that kind of steps on my toes, then, then we don't like that. But see, we're missing the point. Sunday mornings are our once-a-week opportunity, brothers and sisters, to come together as a church family and to enter in together to the presence of God. To His presence. So let me encourage you. Prepare your heart. Come in with that understanding. Yeah, music might not be what I like. Preaching might be long and it might be something that I'm not interested in. But I'm here to allow those to lead me into his presence. Because it's not about the preaching. It's not about the music. It's about those being effective tools to help me draw close to him. That's what it's about. No amens? Okay. So now we want to we participate in communion. And I want us to be mindful of his presence in communion. And so this chair, I, I'm still sweating because I brought this upstairs and whew, I can't get cooled down. But this chair is to help us recognize his presence in this place. His chair, we're not worshiping the chair. We're just using it as an illustration to help us think he is here. He is in this place. And so as we come to communion, I encourage us to think through, to probe the height of His glory, to give Him praise as you are sitting here, as elements are being served. Praise Him. Recognize how glorious He is. He's lofty and exalted. I would encourage you to recognize and, 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 and grasp the weight of your sin. That, that you and I, apart from Him, can do nothing to save us from our sin. That the penalty of our sin is death, eternal separation from God forever in hell. That's what the Bible says. It's not what Pastor Jeff is making up or others have made up. It's what the Bible says. It's what God has told us. There is a place called hell, and our sins, the weight of our sins, the, the penalty of our sin is hell. We need to understand that. Because in light of that, we can revel in the fact that He died on the cross so that the depth of His forgiveness goes way below any weight of our sin. By the way, did you notice where the seraphim took that coal? From the altar. Do you know what it would have been on that piece of coal? Aside from being a burning, hot, red-hot piece of coal, 
there would have been blood on that thing. It was at the altar where sacrifices are made. We're told, God told the people in the Old Testament, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. There would have been blood all over that piece of coal. And you know what it reminds us today? The cross of Jesus Christ, where he shed his own blood once and for all so that you and I can experience the depth of his forgiveness in light of the weight of our sin. That's what we do today. We remember that. And so as you're here, let's be in his presence recognizing he is here among us. And let's not only grasp the weight of our sin, but let's give him praise. Let's, let's, let's revel in the depth of his forgiveness toward us today. And then I would encourage you to even go a little step further today and to say, Lord, here am I. Send me. What do you want me to do? I'm here. I'm in your presence. And in light of all of that, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. There have been some men who have been selected to serve communion. Would you come forward now and prepare to serve it while I pray? Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. God, it's just, it's just incredible to think that you are here among us. Father, I would confess there's a little bit of fear in that. There's some amazement. But there is also incredible joy to know that you are amongst us here. Father, help us. Help us to be people who not only recognize you are here, but th that we would react to that as we partake of communion now. I pray that as we have time, as elements are being served, that you would help us to search our hearts, that, Father, if there are areas of, of sin that we need to confess, we thank you for the promise that as we do, you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But, Father, I pray, too, that as we are here, that we would be mindful of your deep, <laughs> deep forgiveness toward us and that we would be willing to say, here am I, send me. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to hand out all the both elements, and we encourage you, if you're new, if you know Jesus as your Savior, you are welcome to join us. And uh, we'll just serve both elements, and then at the end we'll partake of them together as a church family.